Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Today's episode of the Wingman Podcast is brought to you by Loophold Optics. Uh, Loophold jumped on as a sponsor of the podcast, specifically in the eyewear category, the sunglasses um, I've been personally wearing for over a year now. I've had a chance to put them, literally put them through their paces big time. Um, I am a, I've always been a big advocate and fan of high-quality eyewear um, and doing a little bit of fishing guiding, as I think you guys know that I do, and then spending as much time in the outdoors as I do. Having high-quality eyewear is it's a necessity. And I always wore, when I, back when I used to wear contact lenses, before I got LASIK eye surgery, um, it was really important to me that I protect my eyes, and it helped me with just day-to-day, day-to-day, day-to-day eye care in the field, high-quality sunglasses, high-quality eyewear, like Leupold Optics eyewear, um, was important. It's even more so now that I've spent that money and invested that money into my eyes. I have 2010 vision with my LASIK surgery, and it's very important to me that I wear a high-quality eyewear that not only is going to filter out harmful UV and give me polarized vision so I can see in the water when I'm fishing, where I'm putting my feet when I'm wading or picking out critical structure in the water, but it just cuts glare overall and I have worn the Leupold Optics eyewear now like I said for over a year and obviously love them for fishing but the most important time that I am wearing eyewear is when I'm waterfowl hunting and it does two things it helps me with obviously cutting down on glare and ambient ambient light filtering in from the sides and just just making just making my time out there more enjoyable and better but more important than that is its protection for my eyes um if you've duck hunted and goose hunted long enough if you've been a waterfowler long enough shot a shotgun long enough you've probably gotten a little bit of blowback with a piece of powder powder residue and that'll get in your eye and so i'm always 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 wearing sunglasses well cheap sunglasses give me a headache they hurt my eyes by the end of the day that subpar glass isn't it just doesn't work for me and Leupold has man their their stuff is it's comfortable the frames are coming a wide variety of styles you can find something that fits your face I know Brandon Mason here in the office has a hard time wearing sunglasses because he has a hard time getting something that fits his funny looking face (laughs) but the Leupold glasses came through for him, and he's figured out, he's found a pair that works. And so there's just a myriad of styles that, they've ha- that they have. There's different lens colors. There's mirrored lenses, polarized lenses. I like every pair that I've worn. The, wear, the pair that I've put through the paces the most is the switchback frame with the gray matte, uh, the gray matte frame and then the gray lens. Man, I've put miles and miles and hours and hours on those things and i can't speak highly enough of them and i just want to say thank you to again to leupold optics for jumping on board with us and i'm excited to be hooking up our guests with free leupold 
eyewear, T-shirts, hats, whatever I've got laying around, I'm going to be hooking up our guests with, and there will be subscriber giveaways too. So if you're if you're a subscriber to the podcast, you're a loyal listener to the podcast, and you give us a rating, if you leave us a review, I'm going to look for those things, and I'm going to be hooking people up with Leupold Optics swag and eyewear. So as we finish that up, it's time to get into the podcast. And the guest I've got on with me today is Luke Washington. He's actually my producer, my field producer of the podcast. And he and I and the owner of owner operator guy. head guy in charge. With the checkbook. Yeah. Ike Eastman. We just went on a big road trip, dude. Unfortunately, you don't get any Leupold swag. Because no. you're you're like an employee, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we won't go into too much detail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we just finished up the Puppy Project road trip. So, for those of you that don't know about the Puppy Project, what we've done <clears throat> in the last, well, in the last four years with Wingmen, we've primarily been using my lab Mackinac. To, for all of our filming, for all of our retrieving. Scott Reekers, um, part of the Wingmen crew, has a lab that he's working, been working with, and over the last three years he's got him. So he's a, he's a pretty reliable dog as, as well. He, and, and honestly, at last, last year Mac was eight, eight years old, and he needed some help. And Ace, Scott's dog, was just enough help at three years old. He's kind of coming into his own now where I could, we could kind of count on him. Where the, the previous two years, not so much. He was still learning, but last year, man, he was he was a big help. In fact, there was there was one day in particular I remember when I just kind of let Ace do the majority of the work, and Mac kind of got to got to chill. He didn't like that very much, but it was necessary. Let the young dog do it. Luke, you got a puppy last year about this time. Yeah, last September. Right. Yeah. So September, so yeah. It's like the worst time to get a dog. Yeah, elk season. I mean, come on. But yeah, we don't have we don't we have early we have a dove season that there may or may not be doves around for, and then in September we're usually looking at maybe some mountain grouse. Uh, Like I think we get a ten day this year. I think it's ten days sage grouse season. It's not very long, but most of the September for us is mostly big game. Right. But yeah, so you got a chocolate lab. And Sadie. Sadie. She's a sweetheart. Sadie. Yeah, she's good. No, she's been learning. She seems like she's growing every day. Like, I just see it in her eyes. She's got so much drive. She's just so much fun to watch. You know, we're working on new things, working on things that, you know, I feel like she needs more help on. Um, like, place training, we're, we're hitting it hard there right now. Um, strong swimmer. I was really impressed at her ability to basically just jump in the water like doesn't even think twice i mean that could be good and bad but yeah her ability to no hesitancy just to get in the water and get i mean throwing bumpers out there down right. to the dog ponds and right. it's been really cool to see no she's a little ball of fire man and not every dog has that natural inclination it surprises me to no end to how as at how many labs especially are like don't like the water they're like afraid of it 
and won't get in it, whatever. And I think most of that probably stems from a bad experience when they're young. People make the mistake of, you know, throwing the dog in or making them do some swimming and forcing it on them when they're not, they're not ready. Developmentally, they're not ready. You didn't make that mistake with Sadie. You kind of had the luxury, and I'm going down a rabbit trail here, but we'll get back to the, we'll get back to the puppy project in a second. But you had the luxury of learning from my mistakes and learning from Scott's mistakes. You kind of had some, some, I mean, I've raised two labs now that I've trained um, to a high level on my own. And I made a lot of mistakes. I made mistakes with my first one with Josie girl. And then I made, obviously I've made mistakes with Mackinac and he's, he's, he's a better dog than I deserve. But I remember you were, you'd, you'd come and ask. Right. I get, and I, first thing you told me is don't get frustrated, stay patient. I was having a hard time with that because I, I mean, you look at Mackinac, like I want a dog like that. Right. Oh, wait, uh, we have to back up a little bit. Mackinac started at, you know, where Hondo is now. Right. But no, it's a lot of patience, a lot of understanding, you know, her struggles, understanding her strengths, and maybe not focusing on things that she needs to work on there. But, I mean, we're still just working, trying to be a well-rounded dog, you know, always asking questions. I encourage anybody getting a, a new lab or field dog, ask questions there's so there's youtube videos or cornerstone gun dog academy man it's so i mean yeah we've been we've been working through the cornerstone gun dog academy now for two weeks is we're on the second week with hondo and holy smokes i mean it's a system where if you've never worked with a dog before if you've never trained a dog before you can take your dog cornerstone gun dog academy and a handful of supplies and you're going to run through their 52-plus program, which is what we're working on. And at the end, are you going to have a perfect dog? No. I don't think there is such a thing. But are you going to have a dog that you're going to be able to work, enjoy, who's going to be well-rounded, well-mannered, who is obedient? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's literally it starts from day one when you get your puppy. The first two weeks are... Very common sense, very straightforward, but I think a lot of it is stuff that gets lost in translation. You get a puppy, you're excited, you're doing all this stuff, and the next thing you know, you might have implemented or let the, let the puppy develop some bad habits. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Cornerstone Gun Dog 52+, plus, uh -uh. because Josh Parvin's going to walk you through everything you need to do because he he helped develop that was a big part in developing that curriculum he and barton ramsey and well i mean the whole crew down there but josh and his wife raised a puppy and filmed filmed every segment bit by bit i'm not doing that we're doing a, something similar but we're doing it in more broader strokes I cannot imagine filming every single day what you're doing with the puppy. You'd be exhausted by the time that was over. Kind of, your, and honestly, I think your mind would be blown if if you had the time to do that. See, you know, right. start to finish every right. single day. It, it at the time it might not look like it much, but it'd be like 
Transformation Tuesday or something, you know, where you get to the right. end, you don't think you're making any progress, and then you get to the end and you look back and go, wow, that's where we started. Mm-hmm. That's where you started with Sadie, where you were like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I Give me some help, yada, yada, whatever. And now, dude, she's a sweetheart. Yeah, all outside sources asking. No, I haven't reached out to Barton Ramsey because – I mean, I didn't get my dog from him, so I, you know, I want to, I don't, I want to be respectful. Sure, you know, sure. But no, at, leaning on you, um, I've actually talked to like brothers that have raised dogs, not, not in a sense that they're gonna be waterfowl dogs, but as like home, like family dogs kind of thing. Um, I know it's it's been good. It's been fun. Well, let's face it, man. I mean. None of my gun dogs have been, have lived in a kennel outside. They've all been family dogs. They've all been indoor dogs that are family dogs first and foremost. And then they also love to hunt. They love being a gun dog. They love their job. They're good at what they do. And they get put through the paces big time as well. But I bet if Mackinac could talk and you could ask him what his favorite thing in the world is, it'd be fishing. Mm-hmm. He loves to fish. It's the it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. You, I'll take go fly fishing up on the, in the mountains, and he's like right by your side, glued to you, looking in the water for fish. He's just enamored with fish. I'll be interested to see if that behavior translates over to Hondo, because I think a lot of what our dogs get is they they pick up on what we are excited about. And then they get excited about it too. Right. Barton said something, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blow it out because we have we're gonna be using that footage from the interview. But he said something regarding Hondo, the new pub, when we were down there and we interviewed him about your dog's not gonna be ready for a hunt this fall. Right. And right. people are I guarantee you, myself included, would at a certain point I mean I get it now, but with my first dog no, man, I was expecting her to hunt her first year, and I got her about the same time mm-hmm. and worked all summer long, and then that fall rolled around, and I took her on hunts. It's a sh- it's a shock to me, looking back, that I didn't ruin her. She soaked it all up like a sponge and just wanted nothing but more. But I was hunting her when she was, well, Mackinac, too. I didn't hunt, about, I didn't hunt Mackinac big big dynamic waterfowl hunts a lot of most of our hunts were one-on-one like pheasant hunts and so it was a little more controlled and he just shined i mean he was a star right out of the gate um but josie man we were like that was in the heyday where we were like whacking and stacking and it was all about piles man back in those days because i was in my 20s and uh I think back on some of the stuff I put that dog through. I can't believe that she came out the other side as good as she did. She was a machine. She was absolutely fabulous. As good as Mac, as good as Mac or better. She was incredible. See, that blows my mind. Like you say that, I'm like, there's a better than Mac now. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. There's always a bigger fish, right? Right. But yeah, she was really, really good. And Barton said something. Getting back to that point about your dog's not going to be ready to hunt this fall. Don't think, don't even think that he's going to be ready to hunt. Maybe like a solo duck hunt that's super controlled or you and a buddy with the understanding that 
you're not going to be shooting. All your buddy's going to be doing all the shooting, and you're going to be controlling the dog. And everything's going to be mellow. Everything's going to be chill. Because we want the dog to have a positive first experience out there in the field. And I did not provide that with Josie at all. <laughs> I guarantee it. And she still, she shined. I was, I was lucky. Um, and I was able to ease Mackinac into it. But, man, taking a puppy that's six months old out into a field with eight dudes and A-frames to shoot honkers or dry, or dry field mallards and the chaos that that dog experiences, <laughs> no way. Loud bangs, things are falling oh, yeah. from the sky. Oh, yeah. Guys are hooting, yeah. hollering. Just the setup in the morning. The, and this is what I mean by your dog playing off of you and getting back to the fishing thing. Um, your dog picks up on your moods. Your dog picks up on the energy, the vibe that you're giving. And, you know, the stoke is high on those mornings when you've scouted it. You've scouted this field. You've scouted this spot, whatever. And you know, you know it's going to be a melt, man. You're going to crush birds that day. And your dog picks up on that. And every single person in the group is stoked. The energy level's high. Everybody's ramped up. Probably running on some caffeine or monster or black rifle black coffee. Rifle coffee. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, just you're just amped. Everybody's excited. The dog picks up on that. hundred percent. The dog doesn't need any black rifle coffee to get amped. They get amped off of you. And when young dogs when any dog, for that matter, but especially young dogs, get amped, they do dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like when teenagers get amped up and get in stupid car accidents because they, ha- they need to be paying attention to what they're doing. Well, dogs do too. People do. We all do, right? I think that Mackinac picked up on my vibe from fishing because I'm so passionate about it and so into it that he picked up on that vibe from me and my buddies that I was with. And so I think that's why he's so, so engrossed in it. We put, last night, we filled up a kiddie pool in the backyard with the intention, intention of letting the kids splash around in it, honestly letting my, letting my son Jed splash around in it. And if Hondo wanted to play in it, great. Hondo freaked out. He loved it. That's awesome. Dude, he's like splashing, running around, spinning circles in there. He loved it. He had a great time. Well, after it all calmed down and everybody would had enough, Mackinac walks over and he's looking in it. He stood by the edge of it looking in it, looking for fish. That's so funny. There's like grass floating in it and mm-hmm. stuff from the kids and the dog and Hondo. And Mackinac stood there like intently looking for fish in this, in this fake pond, right? My wife said, what is he doing? And I said, he's looking for fish. He's fishing. <laughs> he's gotten old. He's nine years old and that's all he wants to do is fish now. It's hilarious, like an old grandpa just sitting on the, sitting in his boat. That's cool, though. Like, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, taking Mackinac out in the summertime. Like, wintertime, he's probably going to be chilling on the bed most of the time. But, like, summertime, like, that's you and Max time to go fish. Absolutely. You know, as, as he gets a little bit older and right. retires from. Right. Well, and it's good for him, too, because so much of what we do, I want to be in the mountains this time of year. You know, and on – I want to be trout fishing, fly fishing in the mountains. They're starting to, they're just now starting to come into shape. Runoff's about over. It's about time to get after those high mountain, high mountain cutthroats. 
that's great exercise for Mackinac, man. He can't take the daily grinding of running drills all the time anymore. Honestly, Corey Wages said it best with with SOK Tanglefoot when we were down there picking up Hondo. He's like, man, Hayes in, we were talking about Mackinac. He's like, yeah, Hayes in the barn. He's absolutely 100% spot on. I'm not going to teach him anything else at this point. He doesn't need to know anything else. He's figured out more on his own by through repetition and hunting scenarios over the last nine years than I could teach him. Um, he just needs to be healthy at this point. He knows what back means. He knows what over means. He knows to check in with me. He knows the drill. We hunt together really well because we've been doing it for nine years. And I don't have a lot to teach him. It's my responsibility now at nine years old to make sure he's got a great life and to keep him in shape, keep him healthy. And what better way to keep a, a dog healthy than let him play around in the mountains? I mean, no, no better way. No, it's perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So we took that really, really roundabout way. I feel like it's the way that we went around. Uh, um, I feel like that. All those stories, that route we were just on, is the route we took to get to Oklahoma, Mississippi. Thank you, Google. Yeah. <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> if you're ever going through Arkansas, do not go through it in an RV or a car. I don't even, yeah, that was. <laughs> that road. And we got diverted around Springfield, and we got south of Springfield on four on two-lane divided highway, and then it diverted routed us google routed us through arkansas through the ozarks beautiful place yeah it's something like i've never seen before right and there's a reason why there's a lot of body shops i'm like why is there a ton of body shops in here like every other building was a body shop yeah we ran into a giant accident i'm like oh that's why well the road's so up and down so twisty so windy you can't see what's coming right and there was a lot of traffic on it for whatever reason And then we broke out of that into Jonesboro, and it was just rice fields, as far as you could see, just flat, perfectly flat rice fields. But it took us, like, something crazy, I figured, like, 40 hours. So I'll give you a little bit of backstory on all this. We decided, if you're not familiar with what we just accomplished two weeks ago, undertook, maybe a better word, we decided that, hey, we should make a really cool production out of going to get Hondo. Hondo's the new wingman puppy. The new wingman, right? And we got Hondo from, I got Hondo from Barton Ramsey with Southern Oak Kennels in Oklahoma, Mississippi. He's not in Oklahoma anymore. They actually moved, but in Mississippi. And we, you know, the original thought was, oh, my wife and I'll fly down get the puppy and fly home that'll be cool well this dog is only going to be a puppy for so long right you're only going to get an opportunity to do something cool with it once and i just in passing mentioned to ike eastman the gatekeeper to the kingdom hey you know what would be really cool is if we rented an rv and took that down there and filmed the whole thing yeah. Yeah, he took that literally. <laughs> and I'm like, 
<laughs> he pulls up in this giant, what is that thing, like 28 feet? Something. No, it was like, it was like 30, 38 feet. 38 feet. It was feet. huge. It was a bus. I was expecting like a Cruise America. Right, right. Cruise. I was too. It's such a, it's crazy that you can get up in the middle of the night or, you know, on your, you're just cruising down the road and you can just get up and go take a shower if you want to. I know. Go heat up some Chick-fil-A. Hey, I need some Chick-fil-A in the back. Right, right. All right, I got hey, you. Hey, Luke, I need another monster. That came, that was like. Every t- hour. That was, I think that's the only thing that, Monster and Black Ruffle Coffee were the only two things that kept us sane on that trip. But it took us some, so anyway, Ike takes me literally and goes and rents an RV, which Ike doesn't do anything without thinking it through big time. And so he just kind of took my idea and ran with it, which was cool. And he's like, well, I think we're going to do it. And I, I gave him an out. I was like, are you sure you want to do this? That's a long drive from northwestern Wyoming to north, northern Mississippi is a long ways. Are you sure? Yeah, we're doing it. Okay. And... Holy smokes. He pulls up the day before in that RV. And like you said, I was expecting like a camper, like a Cruise America type thing, right? No. This thing is literally like a tour bus. It was huge. Sleep, all three of us, no problem. We had groceries in there. We had water, like running water out of the faucet. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. I I don't know how we did on that trip without air conditioning. No. And it's one thing when it's 90 degrees or 95 degrees in Wyoming, and it's dry, okay. especially where we live. And we got down there, and it's like step out of the vehicle, and it felt like somebody threw a wet towel over my head. Right. Get up. Yeah. Can't breathe. Us, Wyoming, us desert boys can't breathe. Right. It was crazy. Anyway, so we make this entire drive. We crossed. And I'm going to – you well, tell us what states you ticked off on, the, on, that, on this trip. So I ticked off, obviously, Mississippi, Arkansas, uh, Kansas, Tennessee. Because we went through Memphis. Um, yeah. Um, I've been to South Dakota. I think that was it. So, yeah, four states. Iowa. Yeah, uh, Iowa, so yep. five states, yeah. Yeah. Because we took I-90 from Buffalo, Wyoming, once we crossed over the Bighorns. We went straight east to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then we took I-29 south from Sioux Falls down to Sioux City. Through 45-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah. Ike, Ike's a machine, man. How he piloted that craft, and we call him the captain because it was the things like the, it's a land yacht, but it was 45 to 50-mile-an-hour sustained winds with gusts I don't want to know how hard it was gusting. Probably 65. Because remember we saw that camper that was tipped over, that camper and pickup. The, yeah. the wind had just tumbled like a toy a toy truck and trailer. Just blown it over. And, yeah, I mean, people were pulled off. And at one point we thought we were going to have to pull off. And then once we got to South Dakota, it let up a little bit. It wasn't quite as bad. But it was still blowing like crazy. Anyway, so we drove – we never really shut the thing off. We shut it off at night when we got some place to sleep. We slept in Walmart parking lots, left the generator run so we had AC, 
first day we drove into, I think we stayed in Iowa City. Yep. Right? Yep. And then we, from there, we got up the next morning. And I, I, I did the, the bulk of the driving that day. And I drove a little bit at night, but I'd never driven that thing before. I can't even imagine for you. Ike had a full, like a full week to drive well, it around. Well, because he had it for a while. Yeah. yeah, he got to play with it and drive it around. And I didn't. He's like, hey, I need a break. And I'm like, uh, southbound and down, baby. Here right. we go. And I just jumped behind the wheel. And it's dark at that point. And I had some of my peripheral visions compromised. I'm not used to this thing, how it moves, how it drives. It's huge. And so I honestly settled in to a convoy of of tractor trailers, just settled in at their same speed, and just we did that for a couple hours. Because I was not comfortable passing at that point, especially in the dark. Right. Drove in, settled in. Anyway, next day we got up, and he and I split the driving about 50, well, 70-30. He drove 70% of the time. I drove about 30% of the time. And I was starting to get pretty comfortable with it. You know, we went down through St. Louis and down to Springfield, Missouri, and then into Arkansas. When the route we should have taken was gone to St. Louis and then taken I-70 east east. to Kansas City and then 55 south into Memphis. That's the way we came home. And I want to say coming home, the trip took us 26 hours. Yeah, it was significantly faster but going down was almost 40 oh, right yeah. yep yeah that's i wanted to make sure i had those numbers right because ike was keeping track it was it was crazy it was crazy but what a cool experience we got punchy we had fun we laughed we may or may not have ran a stop sign and uh blown a red light <laughs> <laughs> pucker moment yeah the dude the biggest pucker factor was when we met that semi on that two-lane bridge in arkansas yeah all three of us were like (gasps) close your eyes wait don't close your eyes yeah everybody close your eyes except ike yep exactly and i guarantee the truck driver was doing the same thing oh probably yeah and i i told my neighbor my neighbor's an over-the-road trucker and when i visited with i saw him a couple days after we got back i said dude I will never, ever, ever badmouth you guys again when I'm doing a cross-country trip or driving around and be like, what is this guy doing? Get frustrated, you know? Because I I haven't driven, obviously, that wasn't a tractor trailer that we were driving, but it was the same size. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, no. Those guys are doing the best they can do. Right. And there's obviously some morons out there, just like there are behind the wheel of passenger vehicles, right? Right. Like the dude we saw sexting going down the interstate. Because yeah. we're the same level as his cab. I look in and he's got we don't something know. he shouldn't be yeah. having on his screen. Right. You know, it's like, no wonder the guy's weaving all over the highway. But <laughs> do what you got to do. Right yeah, there. no, yuck. yuck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this trip down was about getting the puppy and capturing the whole thing for the hashtag puppy project. Right. That's what we're doing with this. So this isn't over with just the trip. We went down, we picked up the puppy. We got to hang out with Corey Wages from SLK Tanglefoot and his wife and kids. We got to hang out with Barton at then Southern Oak Kennels headquarters. Um, and his wife, Bethany, and met their kids. Saw the whole shebang, right? Barton even did a go play for us with that the dogs. That was so cool. That was awesome. 
Oh, he's like a Jedi master of Labrador retrievers. Come. Yeah. Play. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. It is insane. It's absolutely insane. But, no, anyway, it's uh, – I forgot. I had my back turned to the camera a little bit there. I got to sit like this more. But so we got the dog. He walked us through, you know, he and Corey kind of walked us through some basic stuff. Um, bringing the puppy home was kind of a trip because Hondo's not vaccinated. He's only got his first round of shots, which He's is not fully vaccinated, which is something I never thought of. I mean, I did. I got Sadie 30 miles from here, but. I mean, it makes sense. You just don't take a dog somewhere that not vaccinated. Right. And I didn't think of that. I didn't think of it either. I'd, I'd heard Barton talk about this on another podcast. Um, it was the HP Outdoors podcast, actually. I heard him talking about it on a couple of years ago about flying with a dog and how you put down puppy pads in the restroom in the airport and let the dog do its thing in there. Otherwise, it's in the crate the whole time it's traveling. Well... We traveled for two days, in effect, with Mackinac, or with Hondo. We couldn't have him in the crate the whole time. And the RV came in so handy for that, because it's a mobile Home. living room. Yeah. yeah. And he could, we could get him out, and he could wander around in there, and we could play with him a little bit, and snuggle with him, and bond with him. But then what we did with the shower was genius, I thought. We took those, we took those um, absorbent pet pads training pads we put them in the shower in the rv and he'd start to cry or whine get him out and put him in there you know it's like he's got to have to go to the bathroom put him in there and it worked like a charm he had one accident in that rv where he peed on the floor and it was a it was like when we first got in there yeah yeah he did really good i was really impressed even with his whining like he was a and then done yep. he's out Yep. and you had a good idea you covered his crate with a blanket yeah i sadie was a she struggled with crying so i'm like what do i do and i would ask questions with other people youtube videos and it always brought up throw a towel over the crate throw a blanket over the crate so that worked for me really well. Oh, that's cool. That it worked with Hondo because it, it. I think it it makes them a little more secure. You know, dogs are denning animals. They, if you watch your dog, he's gonna. They're gonna go lay in a spot where they're kind of protected. I don't know very many dogs that just go lay out in the open all the time. They usually, that's why they dig holes. Yeah. And lay in holes. It's cooler, obviously, but it's also because it's kind of a security thing mm-hmm. with them. So that helped, no doubt. But the yeah, the shower thing with the training pads worked like a charm. And he honestly, he's only had a couple of accidents since I brought him home. And it's when I'm not paying attention, yeah. when he's out of his crate and in the house, mm-hmm. and he we're not like we forget what's going on. And then he'll it's like oh yeah, yeah that's why he was standing by the door because he's got to go outside. Right. He's already learning that. That's part of week one. That is. That is a foundational thing and part of Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy 52 plus in week one is you're working on crate training, you're working on outside, on potty, on all those things. Um, so we make this arduous trek across the country 
covering six states, like 4,000 miles. We get him home, and he's been awesome. I mean, and it's been fun. And it's the, the trading right now, the first two weeks, is you're setting him up for success, basically, is what we're doing with 52+. plus. I'm not training intensively. It's, it's a lot of socialization. It's teaching him his boundaries, where he can't be, where he can be, um, jumping, biting, crate training, you know, getting him used to being in the crate. Um, and obviously, I'm playing. I'm playing fetch with him. Mm-hmm. I, I did get a lesson last night because we're on week two, and I went through Monday, Sunday night with my wife and my kids because we're watching all the videos. So the kids know what we're working on, too, so they're on board so they can help. <laughs> He's got a squeaky mallard, a squeaky pheasant. Oh, boy. He's got squeaky toys, right? Tear it apart. Well, yeah, he tears it apart. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't think of this. I'm watching week two, 52 plus, and Josh Parvin says on the biting segment, and he starts talking about how you don't want your dog to have bird-looking squeaky toys. It's going to translate or translates very easily into them tearing up and shaking a bird later on, a, a, a duck or a pheasant or something you don't want them to tear up. They're going to tear it up. I never thought of that. Did you do that with Mackinac? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mackinac had those and he didn't. I never. And so did Josie. She, I never had a problem with either one of them. But I can see where. I could see that problem. As soon, as soon as I heard that on the video, when Josh said that, I went, whoa, that makes 100% perfect sense. First mistake right there, bang. So I got out a knife, and I cut open those toys, and I took the squeakers out of them. <laughs> Dang. And now they're just, yeah, they're just two toys. Right. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to work, obviously work with him to when we're playing fetch in the hallway he doesn't shake he doesn't he's more into the go get it bring it back go get it bring it back go get it bring it back but i've got to do it in the hallway he was doing that when we were in the camper right like, throw a water bottle with a plastic bottle it was really cool like he like fetched eight weeks old yeah yeah he fetched a squeaky toy without a squeaker in it he squished a, he fetched a little plush pheasant Last night after the kids went to bed for probably close to a half an hour. That's cool. down and back, 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 down and back. You know, I'd be, I'd make him sit, but you know, I've got him in a hallway where he, it's his attention is focused. There's no doors open. He's not running 50 yards. He's running, you know, 10 feet, 15 feet to the end of the hallway. There's nothing to distract him in there. Now, I get him outside and try to play fetch. Mm, it's 50-50 whether he'll bring it all the way back. He'll always go chase it and pick it up and start to bring it back. And then he either decides, no, I'm not doing this, or I'm, you know, a leaf blows by and it catches his attention. You know, their attention span is so short. So, I'm not, and I'm not really worried. I think a younger me, in fact, I don't think I know would have been impatient. Yeah. And been frustrated that why doesn't he bring it back? Yeah. Why is he? No, he's being, he's trying to keep it for himself. Yeah. 
I was having I was having trouble with that with Sadie. Um, I throw it out there, and we did really good in the hallway. Like mm-hmm. I got that tip from you, and then we right. go outside, and she throw a uh, bumper out there, and she would go out there, start to bring it back, and she'd be off doing something else, sniffing, 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 Those, sniffing. That nose, man. That yeah. nose. And then the times that she did bring it back, I would tell her, good girl, like give it positive enforcement, like this is, this is what I want you to do when I throw that out there. Right. So. Make a big deal out of it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. 100% make a big deal out of it because – They've got to be excited. If you're excited about it, that's what we said earlier. If you're excited about it, they're going to be excited about it. And they're going to test you, you know, and I know that now. Whereas, man alive, I think back to Josie, that first lab I had, and I don't. Holy smokes, dude. It's amazing that that dog turned out at all, let alone as well as she did. Because I was hard on her. Hard on her. And she was an interesting combination of being sensitive and hard-headed where you could hurt her feelings pretty easy, but she was stubborn too. And she, she needed a firm hand, but I was probably a little too firm at times. And I know I was too firm with Mac because Mac, as you know, Mac is a sensitive soul. You can look at him wrong and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> and I knew that. And I could tell that about him. So I was softer on him. But with Hondo, every dog's different, you know. And with Hondo, it's like, this little dude is super smart, super driven. He's just tons of drive. And he's stubborn. Like, very, very stubborn. Not terribly sensitive, from what I can tell. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do, kind of thing. And it's more about establishing, I think more with him, it's about establishing trust, getting him to trust me, to know that, and that's where we're at with these first two weeks, you know, taking him places. Like yesterday, I brought him in the office. I've taken him up on the mountain, took him out to a lake. I'm not forcing him in the water, but I'm not discouraging him being in the water either. He wants to play in it, run around, splash in it. Great. He needs to understand that water's fun Mm -hmm. and that life is good, you know. And my job is to protect him from things that are harmful. But at the same time, let him experience things in a controlled, safe environment. Like yesterday, we brought him in the office. Everybody in here loves dogs. I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't have a dog. Well, yeah, two people don't have dogs. But otherwise, everybody in the office is a dog owner. And the two people that don't have dogs don't dislike dogs. Right, yeah. So they're not like, oh, get that thing away from me. They're not cat lovers either, which I don't know anybody would want a cat. Sorry, if you're (laughs) watching this and you love cats, I offended you, but no thanks. Talk about squeaky chew toys. Right. (laughs) Anyway, the – yeah, it's been a ride, man, and it's going to continue to be a ride. And I'm stoked that I have the resources that I have. Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy has been – it's – it's been great. It's been a great reinforcement, a great reminder of things every day when I watch a video or I can check back in and watch videos. I'm just using the app on my phone, so I've got it with me all the time. Man, you, you think, oh, like the other day with the squeaky toy thing. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so, yeah, I took the squeakers out, and then it's just a rag with a bird 
and it doesn't encourage the the chewing and the biting. Yeah. Then, but dude, week so week one, you're establishing all kinds of lessons. One of the things is letting making the dog wait to go through the door. Steadiness. I right? still do that. Oh, I'm, you should be. No. You should be. Mackinac at nine years old will literally sit outside the door, and I have to call him almost three times because he's like, are you sure? He's like that steady where he won't. He's like, are you sure that's what you want? Get in here. It's cold. Yeah. You know. Hondo, it took about two days of working on that where every time we went through a door, He'd try to be, you know, he's right underfoot, tries to go right through the right through with you. It's like, nope, pick him up, put him back in, sit him down, and I say, sit, stay. So I'm already reinforcing these commands that I'm going to be using with him for the rest of his life, right? It's like, I don't want him on the couch unless I ask him to be up there. So guess what? He jumps up on the couch, down, and take him off the couch. Firm, but not harsh. Yeah, you're not beating him. No, no, not at all. You don't kick him across the room. You don't kick him off the couch, you know. You, you know, you may, I may use my foot to nudge him put off. him, to nudge him off, but I'm not booting him, no. you know. And he's got it, man. He's so sharp. Like, if he's excited, he'll go burst through the door. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, Hondo? And he's, it's, it's almost like you could see him go, oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Dad. And he turns around, and I bring him back in, sit him down, say, sit, stay. I walk out, and I've gotten to the point now where I let, I call Mackinac through first. I want Hondo to wait that long. Same thing with food. Mackinac eats first, then I feed Hondo. I've kind of switched that up because Hondo eats a lot faster than Mackinac does. Mm-hmm. So I'll feed Hondo first, and... Um, or I'm, I'm sorry, I had that backwards. I was feeding Hondo first, but he's finishing so much faster that he'd go over and pester Mackinac. So now I feed Mac first. And I let Mac get about a, you know, about a minute head start before I feed Hondo. It drives Hondo nuts, but that's what it takes. And the food's picked up when the, whether it's gone or not with Mackinac, which is good because it's made him eat a little bit quicker. He's never had competition for his food before. Yeah. So now it's not, but not a bad thing. This is kind of sharpened stuff up around our house, all around. Dog behavior and <laughs> kids, too. My mm. six-year-old just finished first year of kindergarten, right? Get out of school. Every day she's been in the classroom, except on the weekends. Now she's got to readjust to summertime. Not as much structure in her life. She's not... In school every day, not going someplace, her behavior has kind of suffered. Her attitude has kind of suffered during this adjustment process, right? Right. Well, i not making a direct correlation to Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy 52 Plus, but yeah, <laughs> working on discipline and with the dogs and obedience with the dogs has translated into my kids, too. Our entire household has become more purposeful, I guess you could say, because of bringing this puppy into the home and having to be purposeful about what we do with Hondo. And so that's been an interesting byproduct. 
Not saying you can use Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy 52 Plus to train your kids. Probably could. Corey Barton, you should probably <laughs> work on something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. No, man. It's So that's the whole gist of this whole thing is that we're going to film the entire first year of Hondo's life. The whole, the whole 52 plus, and then 52 plus will transition into continuation of drill work and into limited hunts this fall where he gets to go on some very controlled hunts, field stuff. I I don't think I'm going to throw him in the river his first year. I don't think I'm going to let him do that. No. That's kind of asking for it with a young dog. Right. And I, I'm not sure if I regret bringing Sadie down that one day. Because it was cold. It was cold. I don't think I... It's not that I ruined her, but I think I was just so excited to, you know, immerse her into something like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with what you did because we didn't ask her to do anything that day. Mm -hmm. And you didn't stay out there. You were only out there about an hour and a half. Yeah. And when she got... So she was visible... You know, she was uncomfortable and she was over it. You left and took her home. Yeah. We weren't hooping and hollering. We weren't... It wasn't out of control. It was... A pretty I think it was a pretty good introduction because mm -hmm. our that's the thing man our waterfall seasons are late in the year it's cold especially for a young dog a puppy it's cold that time of year the water is cold mm -hmm. there's snow on the ground the wind can be blowing and so to take a puppy out into those conditions is not ideal not ideal I think you did just fine yeah and she brought the she she didn't really retrieve a duck kind of like she had it in her mouth and she was like walking around with it which is she cool. fetched it though she brought yeah. it to you and that's all i mean the real test will be for sadie for you and sadie the real test will be the first hunt this year yeah and i think that that scenario needs to be first of all someone else filming because you do a, the bulk of our filming right someone else needs to be running the camera that day it needs to be very controlled where there's only a couple of us, you being someone who's you're you're not even necessarily there to shoot. Yeah, you're there to you're there to work your dog. Yes, yes. Because what happens is so many times as hunters, we're wearing two hats. Yeah, in you're, the field. Yeah, you're good. Okay, I'm shooting. You know, right? Like you're talking to your dog. Okay, you're good. I think you know what you're doing. Like mm -hmm. you know, where with a young dog, that's not the case. She's going to, once she gets it figured out, one of the things I guarantee you that she's going to, that you're going to struggle with with her, because she's high drive, she's going to break. Yeah. She's going to want to beat the other dogs to that bird. She, your brother has her sibling, her sister? No, no. She, so my brother was supposed to get her sibling, but she, she passed away. She, oh. she had something wrong with her. So my brother ended up getting a dog from another kennel. Oh, so, okay. But, but they're, they're like siblings because they've been raised around each other. Yeah, yeah, they spend every day with each other. So there's a level of competition there that she's used to competing against your brother's dog, and I'm assuming she probably wins most of the time knowing her. She's quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to have – there's going to be things where this fall you're going to have to go into a lot of the hunts where, you know, I can't bring Sadie on this one or – I need somebody else there to film because I got to be able to keep a handle on my dog. Right. Otherwise it's going to turn into chaos and yelling and frustration mm -hmm. 
and it's not good for anybody. So, I it, it's almost like you think I'm speaking from a little bit of experience here. Because, oh yeah, I know you are. Man, I've been there. I've been there, and I've made those mistakes, and I'm working really hard not to repeat the same mistakes that I've made with Josie and Mackinac in with Hondo. Am I going to make mistakes? Yeah, but hopefully I can keep them small and manageable where I don't do anything irreversible. How long did it take you and Mackinac? Like, I know he knows what he's doing. Let's just go hunt. I can worry about shooting birds. Obviously, you're worried about your dog, but, you know. Yeah, because of where we hunt out here, because of the conditions we hunt in and the rivers that we hunt, there's way more dog safety concern than there is hunting a pond hunting shallow creeks hunting stuff and you're worried about your dog getting hung up on something or impaling themselves or cutting themselves in those scenarios you're not necessarily worried so much about your dog getting swept down river in in sucked in their old log jam and drowning right those are unique concerns out here shelf ice is another one i've seen dogs get sucked under shelf ice well and they drown you know most of the time they don't they don't know how to get out and if they do get out it's luck you know what i mean i've seen dogs thank goodness i've not seen one drown but i've seen dogs get sucked under and you know fight their way out that we we do face different conditions and and so with that comes a level of steadiness that's why it's so important that our dogs are steady so they don't just go barging into situations that they're going to get themselves into trouble in because the dog doesn't know any better they they do learn about things after a while. There's things Mackinac. He's 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 very cautious, and he's been cautious since he was a puppy, and that's probably saved me some vet bills, to be real honest with you, because he doesn't go bailing into situ bailing off into scenarios that get him in trouble or get him hurt. There's been a couple of times where. One one was completely unforeseen with a big iceberg, that big piece of, sh- of ice, I mean huge piece of ice, that weighed tons, not pounds. Um, I didn't, didn't see it coming. And I sent him on a very routine retrieve across the river on a dead Drake Mallard and then looked up and could see this giant iceberg barreling down the river right on top of my dog. Oh. And I start yelling you know, encouragement, like, come on, buddy, come on, buddy, come on, buddy. I got really excited, and he kicked it into a new, another gear, which that dog is fast in the water. And he hit another gear, and then I saw him turn his head, and he saw that ice. Yeah, he pinned his ears back, and he was like, and he swam right. And it turned out that it, it didn't even turn out to be close. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't even close. It, the, the, the ice kind of shifted into a back eddy and slowed down and kind of stalled and it wasn't even close but it you could see it you know you could see something happening like a car wreck coming and you can't stop it that was like one of those scenarios and whew. but there was another one here up here on this river that we hunt now that i gambled and i didn't necessarily gamble i won't i don't i won't say i gamble with his life because i wouldn't do that but I gambled on his ability. Maybe I got a little cocky about what he could do. And he didn't do it. I I think I overestimated how much I could get him to do. 
and how much he could, how much he understood, basically. And I sent him on a retrieve. He got a bird. The water was super fast, and there was a high cut bank that he couldn't. There was no way for him to get out, except for one spot. But what I had to do was call him way upstream of that high bank and get him to cross up there. He didn't want to come all the way up there. He wanted to keep trying to cross in through this shallow riffle, and he couldn't do it. Basically, the water was too swift, and by the time he got to our side, he was below that cut bank, and he he couldn't get out. And he ended up doing that over and over and over. And he never set the duck down. He had this mallard in his mouth the whole time. And finally, I was able to get him a little bit further. Like, he listened. And he, it's like he understood then what I wanted him to do. Because I went way upstream. And I'm trying to call him up to me mm-hmm. to get him across from me. So he had more to work with, more real estate. And he and then it was kind of like, okay, now I know what I'm... I get it. And he still didn't make it. But you know, the buddy I was with, two, two of the guys I was with, were able to get a hold of him as he went sweeping by in the river current. We were able to get a hold of his vest, the handle on his vest, and, and pulled him out. Um, that was a big eye-opener for me. And especially when it, came, when it comes to hunting this river, I'm really cautious about where I go because it's so fast. There's so much water in it, and it's twisty. It's turny. There's, your dog can get pinned into cliffs. They can get pinned into rocks. They can get sucked into log jams. They can get, there's a zillion scenarios. And so is Hondo going to be ready for that this fall? Absolutely not. Is Hondo going to be ready for maybe the first week of season in – October on a Stillwater pond someplace with some teal on it. Probably. Yeah. More realistic. Probably. Yeah. Cause he does. He's probably not even going to have to swim. Yeah. You just go trotting out through the water, pick up a duck. That's not even very big and bring it back. And it's not going to be a huge production. There's not going to be a whole ton of people shooting. It'll be me and him, but I'm not going to demand a lot of him. And so getting to that, having those expectations set, that's something for you to keep in mind with Sadie is your expectations need to be down here. Right. And that's what I've, these past few months, like, okay, you know. Right. You know, mentally preparing myself. Like, this isn't just going to be Todd Mackinac back. Mackinac. Right. Know? Right. So. Yeah, you're seeing years. So, uh, to answer your question, go back to your question because I didn't answer it. How long did it take? Every dog's different, first of all. Um, with Josie, my female, a year. By by two by by year two, she was solid, man. I, I could ask that dog to do anything. But that first year, I bet she retrieved a thousand birds. Between geese, ducks, pheasants, you know, you name it. She had it dialed. Yeah. A lot of experience, right? No, thousands, not not first year. By the time, so she had two falls under her belt when she turned one. When did I get her? I think I got her in August. I hunted with her that first fall, just tagging along, doing puppy stuff. I didn't expect anything, right? 
but she did end up fetching some birds that first fall as a little tiny puppy. And then the second fall, she was a year old. So yeah, by the time she was two, she had it. She had it out cold. Uh, Mackinac took a little longer. Males do have a tendency to take longer to mature. Mackinac's first year, he retrieved a whole pile of pheasants, but it was really easy hunting. And flushed and retrieved. Then the second year was when I asked him to start hunting ducks on the river. And we spent that entire first, that entire next summer throwing bumpers in the water, throwing multiple bumpers in the water so he could get used to how the current would take, what lines he had to take. Um, man, I can vividly remember being frustrated with him to the point where I probably should have just packed it up and gone home, mm-hmm. to be real honest. But I forced I forced things, and he's a better dog than I deserve, no doubt. Um, I won't, like I said, I won't make some of those same mistakes. But I was expecting him to do things that a three-year-old dog would do at two or a year and a half, right? So that first year, he he fetched a lot of birds out of the river for me. He did pretty well. By year four, he was rock solid. Like, I didn't have to worry about him at all. Um, year four, five, six, seven, and even last year, what I had to worry, start worrying about last year was his stamina because he was getting older. He could still put in a hard day, but then he was done. Like, hunting him another day, like two days in a row, if he had a hard first day, uh-uh. He couldn't do it. And I wouldn't, wasn't going to ask him to do that. Six years, years six and seven, probably eight, probably six and seven were his peak. That cliff retrieve with the goose, he was seven. That was amazing. Yeah. I think that was his last, this is, this is everything I have in the tank left. No, it was that day. Yeah. No, it was that day. Yeah, he was, your dog will, your dogs will do that to you though. They, they will, they will give you more than they have. And you have that with with that with that willingness to sacrifice comes a massive level of responsibility on our parts as handlers, as owners, because the dog's going to do the dog's going to try it. They're going to give you a, a good dog. There are dogs that don't have any business being in the field, to be quite honest. Yeah. And that's that's the hard truth of it. Whether that's the dog's fault or whether that's the owner's fault, whether whatever, it's the case. Um, honestly, I don't know. I can't even think of any of those dogs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously dogs that are, some dogs are better than others. Some, some dogs have been worked with more than others is probably the more accurate statement. But most dogs are going to try to do things that to please you that are above or right at the brink of what they can physically handle. And Mackinac's no exception to that. You know, that dog would do, he would try to do anything I ask of him. And I got to be careful with that. You know, going, you have to understand where you're hunting, what you're doing, who you're with, you know. Um, I haven't had to do it with Mackinac. But with Josie, I kick guys out of the field 
two guys. We were young, and guys aren't, you know, they're gung-ho. They don't understand the rules, the etiquette, and they're shooting over my dog or they're being morons or their gun safety's not up to par. Go home. Get out. Get out. And I, I burned some friendships over that, and I don't care because somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's dog was going to get hurt. Somebody was going to get hurt or worse. And, you know, that's all part of, of being responsible. You've got a lot of, you got a lot in your, on your plate when you're out there with a dog. And if something were to happen to Mackinac that was my fault in the field or Hondo, can you imagine me walking into my house with two little girls and my wife? And I mean, Jed's too little to understand anything right now, but, and having to face that down and explain it hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, a lot of guys just probably just make up a story. Ah, no thanks. I'd rather think things through and be responsible in the first place. But So anyway, the whole premise of the Puppy Project, man, we're windy. Well, I'm windy. The whole premise behind the Puppy Project is to bring you a blow-by-blow, play-by-play breakdown of the training of Hondo. Not every day are we going to post something, but weekly. We'll be posting multiple times weekly on our social media feeds, Facebook, Instagram. We already have one. We already have some posts up. We're going to be putting those on stories, on Instagram and Facebook stories. So you got to catch them while they're there because they're, they're perishable when they're on a story. They're only up for, what, 24 hours? 24 hours. Those are 24-hour gold nuggets. And we did that on purpose because we didn't want to – give away Barton's training program that they put all this hard work they into. put all this hard work into and then have us come along have somebody like us come along and break it all down and give everybody the you know the secrets with posts that are going to live forever I'm not doing that I wouldn't do that I, I would I would not doing that to Barton right and so it's like okay how can we post progress and what we're doing but not take advantage at the same time. And I think stories are the stories of how we've, we thought that through because they're perishable. They don't last, you know, they're up, they're there and we're not going, we're not dealt. We're not diving into the secrets of the curriculum of, of 52 plus with cornerstone. I'm showing you what we're working on and how it's going. And that's about it. You know, if you, I, and I can totally 100% endorse the program because I'm using it two weeks in and I'm like, yep, this is perfect. This is awesome, especially if you've never trained your own dog before. Right. It's phenomenal. It takes all the guesswork out. It's it's a great product. So we're using that product with Hondo. We're breaking things down weekly. Um, monthly, we're going to do monthly kind of checkpoints with videos that will be up on YouTube and social media. And we're going to touch base with Barton via Zoom probably do another podcast or two yeah i'm thinking yeah but and we're gonna walk you through the whole process man 52 plus gotta check it out it's gonna be cool it's gonna be cool i'm stoked about it as you can probably tell um just a lot of cool stuff with getting a new puppy and the responsibility that comes with it the fun that comes with it uh you know i'm watching him fetch that little fuzzy pheasant in the hallway last night over and over and over and over 
And all I can picture is a year from now or two years from now, just he's the next gen, man. He's getting it. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, I'm stoked. And I'm stoked to see Sadie in action this fall. She's she's gonna be there. Like I said, females have a tendency to get it quicker. And it would not surprise me if she's a you know, she's gonna have lots of learning curves. Yeah. But it it wouldn't surprise me at all if by the end of the season she's a little rock star. I sure hope so. I mean I I have the time and I and I can see I can see how a dog's ability will crumble with time that you put into them. Absolutely. And I've had the time. I've had tons of time. I've made sure I've made extra time so I can work with her because I don't want to fa- cuz I feel like I'm going to fail her if if I don't put in that work, you know what I mean? No, it is. It's 100% on you. It's 100% on you. Your dog is only as good as you make them. I mean, that's plain just the plain and simple truth, God's honest truth of it. So, yeah, are all dogs equal? No. Some dogs have more drive than others. Some dogs have are more willing to please than others. Some dogs are, you know, have a bigger motor than others. Whatever. Some dogs just have better instincts than, than others. Those are, those are variables we can't really control other than talking through to your breeder like Barton. Like I sat down with Barton and I said, dude, this is what I'm looking for. And he helped me pick out a litter based upon what I wanted. I didn't want to duplicate Mackinac. There's things I, I love Mackinac, but there's things that drive me nuts about him. And one of them is he's, he's got a big heart. He's got a lot of drive, but I, one of the things is there's been times when I wish he had a little more go. Just a, just a little bit more. A little bit more, not gas in the tank, but maybe just a little bit bigger motor. And, man, Barton said, okay. I said, but I need a dog with a nice personality that's manageable, that my kids can be around. Yeah, and he took all those in, things into consideration. And obviously he can't, they're not male building robots yeah. down there. Yeah. But he knows what characteristics pairings are going to produce most of the time. He'll be the first one to tell you every now and then he gets thrown a loop. They're thrown for a loop, you know, thinking, oh, these, these puppies should be nice and mellow. These would be perfect. And the whole batch is fire breathers. Little yeah. dragons, man, just running around. He opened a can of worms about dog breeding. Yeah. That blew my mind. And that'll be in that video in the, with the interview. I'm like, never thought of that. Yep. There's a lot more that goes into it than just, hey, I got a lab. You got a lab. Let's put them together. Right. And and that's kind of how my Josie dog was. She didn't come from, from a well-known breeder. She didn't come from a breeder at all. It was neighbor... Neighbor had a stud dog, a male dog that hunted really well and had good bird, was real birdie. And they had another dog that was birdie and they liked to hunt and they're both not, so they let them breed. That's Sadie. And then they had a litter. Yep. And guess what? I ended up with Josie out of it. And a big part of jo- what produced Josie was the time. I was single. I worked afternoon shift. I, was, I had nothing but time to work with that dog and then exposed her to a ton of dead birds birds in general and yeah man and she went everywhere with me i mean i took her to work 
every day I took her to work. It's so much fun to be like being young. Like I'm still young. I'm only <laughs> 22, but it's so much fun. Like enjoy it, brother. Yeah, no, for sure. Like you never really understand, you know, what it means to have a dog. And at my point in, in at the po- at this point in my life, that I think I really needed that. That, you know, feeling. Let's like, either that or have kids. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to have kids. Or I'm not going to have kids right now. I'm going to have a dog. <laughs> no, you're right. You're not wrong, though. There's something of, something in, in us as people that, for most of us, I think we want something to take care of. You know, we get our life lined out. And you're busy in, in college or you're busy after, after high school working or whatever you're doing. And life kind of, you hit stages. And you're like, at first, it's all about you. You're trying to figure stuff out. You're, and then you get yourself set, set, and you're clipping along, and you go, you know what? I want a dog. Or I want to get married yeah, and have kids. Or I want to get married and just be us. Or I want to have, you know, whatever that may be, I think it's pretty natural to go in stages. And you chose the dog route. I, I did the same thing at your age. I did the exact same thing. And... Yeah, you're going to be – your girlfriend's off to college this year. Yep. She's well, been, she's been in college, but she's yeah. off to – Black Hills for – She's off to a, a further away college. It's like six hours from here. Yeah. So you're going to have nothing but time. Right, which is good. You know, no, lots you, of dogs. I shouldn't training. say nothing but time because we work you pretty hard around yeah. here. But. Yeah, and I'll be going to school, finishing up school here too. So Right. But between that, hunting, you know. Working with Sadie. Yeah, it's – I'm excited. You should be. You know. That's cool. No, it's it's going to be cool to watch her, to watch the two of you mature as a team. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. No. You know, and you're going to see a lot of me and Hondo and Mackinac figuring out dynamics there and training with Hondo. But you're, the big story, one of the big stories this fall is going to be you and Sadie and your journey. And I think people are really going to connect with that because yeah. it's going to be your first fall hunting together. Right. And luckily for us, we have, you know, Max not 100% retiring, but he's definitely on the Sunset Cruise. Mm-hmm. Ace, is, Ace is probably the most, the most reliable dog we have at this point. Yeah. Where, and by reliable, I mean a dog that we can hunt every day or almost every day. Mm-hmm. And then, but Sadie's going to be right there on his heels. And she's so, she's so smart. I think she's going to figure the game out fast. Right. It's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool. But yeah, this whole thing, the whole dog thing, I can sit and talk dogs all day. There's such a huge part of what we do. Wingmen without dogs is just men. It's wingless. Yeah, pretty much. It's pointless is what it is. Yeah. And so, if we got, if I got windy on this podcast, if I went down some rabbit trails, I apologize. But you get me talking about dogs, and my mind starts going, and I just I like talking dogs. Yeah. They're cool. And I'm excited to bring the listeners more and videos. Like I said, make sure that you're tuned into YouTube. If you're not a subscriber to the Wingman YouTube channel. Find us on there. Mash that subscribe button. Leave us some comments. And stay tuned because we are doing that loophole 
optics giveaway. We've got t-shirts and man, we got all kinds of stuff. We got swag, not to mention all the eyewear. We have tons and tons of sunglasses to give away. And I am stoked about that. Stoked to be partnering with Leupold. Stoked to be partnering with Sitka on this podcast. You know, you talk about gear that gear that works and keeps us in the field. You know, we talked about the sunglasses and those things are fabulous. They're 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 functional and they're top drawer. Same thing with our Sitka gear. I think about hunts that we're on, there's they I don't have to go home because I'm cold or I'm wet. I go home because I'm I want to go home. Right. And my clothing, my gear, Sitka does that. You know, I, I think back to that hunt we did with Jim Sobeer from Sitka two years ago, and it was 20 below. Easy wind chill was below that, and we, we were fine. The camera guys suffered. Yeah. Lindsay and Dan ended up having frostbite on their hands from running a camera with no gloves because they had to. But as far as, like, once they got – once we got the footage we needed, they put their gloves on and they were fine. But the rest of it, I mean, you know, your core your core protection, I was – I could have stayed out there all day. We pretty much did. But, you know, sick is ridiculous. I think about falling in the river trying to get that goose two years ago. Yeah. With you. Yeah. And I just went back to the blind, kept hunting. Like a little hot tub. Yeah. It was like warm, right? I don't know, 28 degrees outside, something like that. And I had merino, Sitka merino layer, base layers on. I had the gradient pants. I had on a gradient, a Dakota hoodie and a Fahrenheit vest. That's what I had that day. And I'm pretty warm blooded, but I didn't. We hunted for what, another three hours? Yeah. And I was soaking wet the whole time. And I was fine. To have gear that you can do that with i mean i chose to stay out there and endure that it wasn't even hard i didn't even have to really endure it i was literally comfortable but to have gear that does that i mean worth whatever the price tag is for me and uh yeah so super stoked about our two about our sponsors like i said and i want to thank them once again and stoked to bring you more and more and more as we continue on leave us some comments uh some feedback on this let us know who you want to hear on the podcast who you want to see on the podcast or listen to um we've had some phenomenal guests so far some of the people that i've had a chance to visit with on this podcast is kind of like did i really get to talk with that person right you know um it's pretty cool and i've got more lined up so yeah i heard the list you got i'm like yeah we got some big big time names that have agreed to sit down and and chat with us and those those are in the works on the schedule headed your way so stay tuned for more but if there's somebody you want to hear us have on as a guest um or a topic you want to hear us discuss man shoot us an email at todd.helms at eastmans.com or leave us a comment on wherever you're picking this podcast up and let us know so luke thanks for being on me man thank you it's yeah. fun to sit down and and rehash our four thousand mile road trip for a puppy right and where <laughs> we're going with it yeah man it's it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a good time so cool thanks man thanks for listening everybody and we'll see you on the next episode